Hello and welcome back to episode 3 of the Divided Opinion podcast. My name is Joel and as always I'm joined by Henry. How are we this week West? Very good, thank you. Less tired than last week? Yeah, feeling fresh. We had a few complaints about your yawning. Oh, no, never mind, we'll move on. <laughs> New week. Alright, alright, he's, he's had a coffee, he's recharged. Raring to go. We're going to need you on top form today. Another mad week of football on and off the field. Let's start with issues on the field, shall we? Yeah. Manchester United fans. The plan of protest ahead of the derby against Liverpool on Sunday just gone. The events which then unfolded. I might have forgotten something, but I can't remember a stance made by the fans like it. Fans showed up in their thousands, their tens of thousands, outside the ground, blocking the route of the team buses, and then eventually managed to make their way onto the pitch. The protests on the whole were passionate yet relatively standard, pretty peaceful, but then a select few did take it one step further by breaking into the ground, which eventually saw the game called off altogether. I can't remember anything quite like this. No, well, not in in our lifetime. No. I don't think. I didn't expect it to go that far. I never thought they'd get on the pitch or into the stadium. But uh, yeah, like you say, it was. It, it seemed pretty peaceful. But um, yeah. obviously, you saw videos of. Like fans kicking down glass doors and stuff. Yeah, chucking camera equipment. Chucking camera equipment. But might, I mean, might I, be a bit over the top that because yeah. at the end of the day, these these people like the cameramen are they earn a living. They're all self-employed. Yeah. But the it, the idea was there. Like I think that is this sort of protest is the only one that's going to make the people at the top notice. So yeah, this is what I was going to ask. As a United fan, obviously you can offer some. Some good insight, because we've seen a lot of people and a lot of pundits, fans, commenting on the issue, and I'm one of them. They don't really know the ins and outs of it. It's easy as a fan from the outside to look at look at United and think, how can you have anything to complain about? I understand that it's not been as good recently, but you are, at the end of the day, the most successful club in English history. But, so, oh yeah, I want to firstly just kind of ascertain, what from a United fan, what was the protest about? Was it... Was it the European Super League or was that more of like a, a final nail in the coffin for United fans, so to speak? Can you just break it down for us? How have we got to this stage? Well, um, the Super League, it was the um, yeah, it was the final nail in the coffin, you could you could say. But this has been stemming for years and years, ever since ever since they took over in two thousand and five. This has been this has been in the works. It's well overdue. This sort of protest was um but obviously the the thing that united fans have been most most annoyed about over the years is is the the handling of the club in general taking the money out paying them off in dividends and themselves the family members and obviously not really backing they have spent like you can't ever accuse them of not giving people money to spend but they don't spend it in the right areas and it always seems like they've taken the easy options out or the cheaper options out in the transfer markets. Yeah, there's sort of well, even when they took over in 2005, there was like massive uproar at the time. I think their first game at Old Trafford in 2005, they had to get taken away in the police van for their own safety. They've put United into at one point in more than a billion pound in debt. Do you think with United as well, there is almost a, an element of where the fans kind of and they're right to think so that they don't need this oligarch or Saudi prince to come over. The revenue that the fans generate by yeah. themselves is yeah. enough to fund a club like United. Yeah, definitely. And that's probably I think that's the main thinking behind 
all the United fans protesting about trying to bring the 50 plus one rule in because they know that they, as as fans and as the club they can carry on as they were without these, with or without these people. We don't need these people to take loads of money out of our club but pump little bits in at a time and run it like a like a business. We want, but we'd rather run it how how we'd like to. Yeah, just we've got some figures here just to it will sort of give you a good insight to like how how poor the ownership actually has been. So obviously in 2010, obviously we had the green and gold protests around Old Trafford. So every match day you saw the scarves, you saw all the banners and everything. And that was because it got to the club had got to £716 million in debt. Uh, and this is through themselves taking away dividends and stuff like that. Obviously in 2014, Malcolm Glazer died, the dad. He was the, he was the main owner. The family has started to sell shares in the club. And since then, all the Glazers' kids have been paid £15 million in dividends each year from the club as sort of like a assurances sort of payment. So how much money is that taking out of the club each year just for paying themselves? And how much of that money is hard-earned money from exactly. the fans? Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's just really sad that one of the kind of real traditional clubs in this country that have built up over years and years you can't take that away from united that heritage and that building up from the busbys ferguson yeah and i think that's what the the super league idea was that that could have ripped all that away all that history and all that the, like the champions league the premier league that is man united's history that them core competitions and they were they were trying to just rip it away like the fans didn't exist do you think the Super League was just the boiling point? Was this? Was this yeah, this is. Yeah, yeah, this has been. United fans have always wanted the Glazers out, and this would have come to the fore. These sort of protests, without the Super League or not, I'd have, I'd have thought anyway. But I think yeah, the Super League really just made everyone think like the, these people need to get out of the club now. And whether they will, I'm not sure. I'm not that confident. I don't think they'll feel and and under any pressure to sell up or or anything like that. As I think you've seen from the videos, Avram Glazer doesn't even want to give a word to anyone, the not media. Even, no, not even, not necessarily even an apology, but not even a bit of communication. He's, he just doesn't care. None of them care. It's just, it is shocking, that video. It's arrogant. He just had a chance. Obviously, I understand that, that he wants to, doesn't want to say much. He's got to keep his kind of media um, image as positive as possible. He doesn't want to say something stupid. But... Just, uh, I don't know. Apparently he's apologised to Solskjaer behind closed doors. Yeah, but they sent the um, the open letter to United fans, didn't they? Which was obviously written by a brilliant PR woman or yeah. something. Do you want to get that up, actually? I don't. I haven't read that. But I think the main thing with the Glazers and what doesn't sit well is that when they apologise to Solskjaer, and if they do apologise to the fans, as you might be about to show us, do they really realise what they're apologising for? Or is it the kind of the case of a kid where they've done something wrong but they don't really know what they've done and you ask them to say sorry? That's what it feels like. They, they yeah. have no idea of what they've actually done because they have no grasp of the English game. No. no I, grasp of what has been built up over years. I think he, Joel Glazer even, it was even said that he was one, obviously one of the co-founders of the Super League and obviously one of the co-owners of Manchester United. He actually said he wasn't aware of what the offside rule actually was and this was last year and he's a co he was co-founder of the Super League it's just it's just incredible isn't it 
his open letter to United supporters, which was about two, three weeks ago, just after the Super League stuff all, all came to the fore. It's um, basically to all Manchester United supporters. Over the past few days, we've all witnessed the great passion which football generates and the deep loyalty our fans have for this great club. You made very clear your opposition to the European Super League and we have listened. We got it wrong and we want to show you that we can put things right. Although the wounds are still raw and I understand that it will take time for the scars to heal, I am personally committed to rebuilding the trust with our fans and learning from the message you delivered with such conviction. We continue to believe that European football needs to become more sustainable throughout the pyramid for the long term. However, we fully accept that the Super League was not the right way to go about it. In speaking to create a more stable foundation for the game, we failed to show enough respect for its deep-rooted traditions, promotion, relegation, the pyramid, and for that we are sorry. It is important for us to put that right. Manchester United has a rich heritage and we recognise our responsibility to live up to its great traditions and values. The pandemic has thrown up so many unique challenges and we are proud that the way that Manchester United and its fans from Manchester and around the world have reacted to the enormous pressures during this period. We also realise that we need to better, better communicate with you, our fans, because you will always be the heart of our club. So, yeah, it's kind of just empty words, isn't it, really, at this uh. point? Um, so we, we spoke about there, the rebuilding the trust. Yeah. As a United fan, how can they do that? Well, talk, Can they do that? Well, can no, they? they can't. It's way beyond repair. But they could at least start with a bit of communication. Even on them videos you saw on Twitter of Sky News, but um, United Fans Forum they um, held held a meeting on Friday last Friday. Ju- none of the Glazers were present. They they had a representative there on on their behalf, which so they can't even turn up to a little fans forum. So, but if, if so, that say this, they're not going to go. Say hypothetically, they don't leave, and this summer they bring in Rafael Varane. They bring in Declan Rice and they bring in De- Jaden Sancho. What are your thoughts then? It's just papered over the cracks, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, them three players, it'd be amazing if United signed them because it could take us to that next level that we need to to challenge for the big trophies. But it doesn't. Have, you can't. It doesn't. You can't just forget the damage that they've caused the club. Like you, you go to Old Trafford now, and if you, the seats that are wet in, when it's raining because people are getting covered because the roofs has got leaks there's dirt all over the top of it it, like, it used to be the best stadium in England and it's not anymore I think they support the point is is that this is way beyond kind of the success we see on the pitch and that's that's what I was talking about earlier is this outsider's point of view that it all looks doesn't look too bad for United mm. but it's at the stage where signings aren't going to save like you like you said, they cannot rebuild this trust. No, it's just no amount of signings, no amount of investment. It's just neglect. Yeah, that's all it is. It's just years of laziness, neglect, and just not having any sort of care for the club or the fans or the people that work there. They're just literally you can go to Old Trafford and you'll see what it is for yourself. It's like it's a rotting stadium behind the scenes. Bits of stuff falling off, leak. We also saw as well just how much they uh, underestimated the the power of the fans and how many people would turn up i mean there was an embarrassing amount of security there if they just if they just preempted how much following or fans were going to turn up on the day they could have quite easily stopped the fans from getting into the ground mm. easily yeah it came back to bite them so yeah you saw that banner outside of the hotel as well the 
um, you play when we say, and that is that is like hundred percent right. Obviously, if United fans and other fans around the world think decide they don't want you to play and they can stop it, they will stop it, and that's the only way that we could get across to the Glazers maybe a little bit is by doing something that's going to hurt their pockets by getting a game called off. By getting a game like that level, yeah, I think it, I do think it is only a drop in the ocean, but it does. It does impact them in, in yeah. some ways. And it's also the other stakeholders, the Skies. I mean, they had it obviously promoted as this big Super Sunday. Their <laughs> big game didn't... It's the biggest game in the league, let's yeah. be honest. It is the biggest game, regardless of where they are in the league. In um, terms of rivalry. And could it happen again? What? what who's? What, I mean, it's, they've got Leicester next week and Liverpool at Old Trafford, both in the space of three days. Who's to say they won't do it again? We'll talk about the fixtures, how, how that's going to impact them in a minute. I also want to go back to that open letter. They said about they were talking about sustainability, and uh, the how they wanted to make the European football more sustainable. I mean, these guys, I, I, well, regardless of what you say about the Glazers, they're obviously intelligent. They're obviously good businessmen. Do they expect us to believe that 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 we think they were trying to make football more sustainable? It it can't be underestimated as well the the impact it would have had for these lower clubs for these. Championship, oh, yeah. even the lower, even the Premier League clubs that would be left, it really would. I don't, I don't see any way that those clubs would be able to sp- survive. We've obviously had a lot of pundits offering their their two cents about the issue. Carragher's obviously called out some pundits. I don't know who he was referencing. Maybe Graham Souness. So calling out lazy pundits. Mm-hmm. So I've got yeah, I've got a couple players here that have made comments, and just kind of want you to respond as a United fan. So we've seen Jermaine Genus and um, Alan Shearer on Match of the Day. So Jermaine Genus has come out and said, United fans overstepped the mark and clouded the original message of the protest. What would your response be to that if Jermaine Genus was sat in the room today? Well, he's he's entitled to his own opinion, but it's, it's, it's wrong, isn't it, at the end of the day? Keeping a protest to a, to a tame sort of... It was fairly peaceful anyway. I think maybe one arrest was made. I think that was it. This is the only way that people are going to take notice. These people, they're, they're, these people are overseas, hundreds, hundreds of miles away. They, they're not going to online protests and tweeting about them and stuff. That's it's not going to, it's not going to do anything. These people need to feel it where it really, really hurts them, which is taken out of their pocket. And that's when they're going to turn around and make a change or notice because you need the. the you need a bit of hostility to take people to take notice, and it was didn't get out of hand though. People getting onto the pitch, yeah, maybe damaging stuff, but a little bit, a little bit over the top. But at the end of the day, I think it was all fairly in good reason. If you go back to any protests as well, which are largely peaceful, there's always oh, going to be a yeah. select few that probably aren't even there for the protest. They're yeah, there for the cause a bit of trouble. Yeah, yeah but they're there for the day out. Yeah, it's always going to happen. If you want to keep it to a contained same protest, walking around the ground, chanting a few things, it's not going to do anything. You need to sort of make a statement, and United fans definitely did that, and that's why everyone's talking about it. That's what they want. We wanted everyone to talk about it, and 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 they are exactly. No, you've, I, I I think from the broader football world and from a fan looking from the outside, I think you you have to have nothing but respect for United fans. Yeah, we're doing this for other clubs as well. I think you've got to notice as well. This this wasn't just about United. Well, obviously it's mainly attacked at the Glazers. Obviously the green and gold campaign there for him. We want to get them out of the club as soon as possible. But this also runs for 
all the other club owners in the top six. Can you Liverpool explain? fans will look at that. Uh, Arsenal fans, and they'll 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 look they'll love it. Obviously, despite the hatred between the two sides, this is something where everyone can agree on it. Liverpool fans need to do the same for their owners as well. Yeah. In terms of just the the green and gold campaign, you just explain that. What is that about the the scarves? I never really understood why it's a symbolism behind the scarves. Obviously, prior to becoming Manchester United, United used to be called Newton Heath. So their home, their primary home colours were green and gold kit. So obviously that club, obviously Newton Heath back then, when in the eighteen hundreds, it was obviously built out of the industrial city, the work, all the workers. The club was built out of that, and that's what the main cause that people like Gary Neville and well, all United fans talk about this. What they were trying to damage the Glazers. Clubs built out of traditions of people around the city, all the workers, and that's basically what the green and gold thing's about. Because it's sort of trying to take the trying to take the traditions and the club back to the actual it. people. Yeah, claim it back to the people of Manchester and bring it in, and take it away from these people who are trying to Americanize it and take it and make it all. Super League and clean. that's what the Green and Gold campaign is all about it's about taking the club back from these people and keeping and realising who, who built the club up from the from from the depths of what it was I watched recently I know you haven't watched it yet so I won't speak about it much but Gary Neville's brought this new podcast out called The Overlap bit of competition for divided opinion <laughs> uh, probably shouldn't be promoting it no. but he basically interviewed Richard Scudamore, who was the former Premier League executive, chief executive, whatever. And they were talking about, there was loads you could talk about from it, but it was one bit that really highlighted how out of touch these people are. And Richard Scudamore, from what I got from him from that interview, came across as a decent enough yeah. bloke. He's obviously in a world where there's a lot of greed and you don't get to where he got to without having a certain cutthroat attitude. Mm. And they were talking about the prices of tickets. Neville brought it up and Scudamore completely denounced it. Basically was just saying that fans aren't being priced because Neville's argument was that fans, the fans are getting priced out of the game. Scudamore's argument was that fans aren't getting priced out of the game. Ticket sales and everything going up. Capacities are still high. Most fans, most stadiums are getting extensions. But that, from a fan... That goes to the season ticket holder. Fans aren't getting priced out of the game. But what they are doing is they're being forced to spend all of their money. And yeah. they will do it. And these clubs, you see with United, they take advantage of the fa- the passion these fans have. Yeah. And the necessity these fans have to go to the games. To maybe not buy the merchandise, but just go to the games and... Yeah, I just thought that was just quite ignorant. Scudamore was just like, they're not getting priced out of. They're still buying their tickets. Yeah. It's like, do you realise the what people put in to get them tickets? Exactly. And yeah. I'm not even, I'm not gonna, I'm not claiming to be a real like salt of the earth working class. I don't work full time to get my ticket, but I know people that do. Yeah. And I think it's just a bit of a kick in the teeth, really, of just like, ah, if they're still buying the tickets. Why would we take it down? It's like well, you can't really expect anything less, can you, from Scudamore? So no. he was the pioneer for the Premier League for yeah. twenty-five years when it went into existence. So he he's sort of engineered all of that, like the prices that they, we see today and stuff. So you can't really uh, say too much. But yeah, you, you're dead right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's no. I think um, um, the Bayern Munich. I think it was Rummenigge, the CEO. I'm sure, it was him who said it. He basically said the other day about how the price of um, a Bundesliga um, season ticket. I think they can get one at Bayern for around like 150 quid. And he said, like, we could easily charge 300, 400. But what is that going to make that club buying in the, in, the, in the context of the year? It'll make them an extra two to three million pounds. And he said, when they're arguing over a player or discussing a fee, he says, you argue about the sum for five minutes and, you, and you'd play over five, six million, just like that. That's money that they, they play around with. He said, but how much would that extra 150 quid, for example, mean to the fans? Yeah, I completely agree. The yeah. the the revenue they get from um, ticket prices, etc., is is a drop in the ocean to compared to their revenues for the, the entire year. Um, also in that interview, um, Neville was really pushing the point of uh, independent regulation in the Premier League. So having a body that would oversee the league, there would be no um, no one from the clubs, no no bias or anything within it. These would be completely independent. What do you think that would work? This sounds to me that it would work. Schoonamore didn't like the sound of it. I don't know if it's because he's got powers in the in the industry. Yeah, I think that would work. Yeah, I agree. I think everything that everything that Gary Neville said since the Super League has come to light and obviously died away fairly quickly. I think he's. I'd get someone like him in the round of the top top levels of the game because I just think everything he says, he just speaks as if he's a he's a fan. It, well, he is a fan. He's a he's a football fan. He's a Manchester United fan, and even though all these the honours he's made, played for England, played for Manchester United, it's still not changed him in his thoughts, his actual his actual roots, and he he speaks for the fans and Carragher. You've got to say as well. Just lastly, um, we'll go back to some of those quote, quotes. Genius also went on to say, um, and this is he did he did reiterate that this is from a from an outsider's perspective. They've won trophies and big trophies under the Glazers and spent a lot of money. Shearer also goes on to to use stat a stat that shows that the net spends since 2013, United have got the second highest in Europe, 717 million. Sunus also voiced similar arguments denouncing the fans' actions. What argument would you have for that in terms of the money spent? And no amount of money spent can sort of repair the damage that they've caused, but I th- uh, yeah, I was listening to Sunes saying that basically trying to imply that the reason United fans were kicking off all of a sudden now was because they've not been at the top for the past few years and they're getting a bit sick and tired of not being that number one team anymore. And it's nothing to do with that because United fans were were protesting about this and voicing their opinions like right in the middle of their glory years, winning Premier Leagues one after another. Winning Champions Leagues with sort of Tevez, Ronaldo, Rooney, this was happening then. The green and gold sort of campaign, two thousand and ten. The United won the, the the Premier League the following season, so it's nothing. That, I think Alex Ferguson as well. He's noticed how the club was going. Probably a main a, a big reason, maybe why he sort of left. Sort of he let the team that he left Moyes with, like a lot of United fans still say Fergie's got partly to blame for the way United are now. But at the end of the day, he's just him. He hasn't really, like, obviously, he's a powerful man, but he couldn't. He, what could he have done? No, not a lot. It's all about the backing, isn't it? And 
Yeah. To think that United won that last Premier League title with Anderson and Cleverly in midfield. I suppose. But it, it probably been... just exposes the, uh, the brilliance of Alex Ferguson, if anything. Yeah. So we've seen it with the bringing out a a movie, haven't they? Yeah. And a documentary about Fergie. That'd be brilliant. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. It will be good. Do you want to move on to Champions League now, or have you yeah. got any more points you'd like to make? We, we all know what we want to, ha- what I want to, what want to happen, and yeah. what you want to happen, what, what we all want to happen. It's just we'll have to see what the next step is now. It's interesting from my perspective just to hear it from a United fan and just kind of try and understand, yeah, what has led to this. Um, yeah, so we now move on to the results from the Champions League um, semi-finals. It's going to be an all English final. It's a yeah. Historic week or two weeks or season for English football. Both its representatives put in fine performances, further instating the domination of the Premier League. Should we talk about City PSG first? Yeah, we'll start off with them, unfortunately. Well, what a night. (laughs) What a night for Man City. Yeah, Um, overcome plenty of demons, I think, from 2016. Going out in the semi-finals, they, they were brilliant, weren't they? Yeah. Absolutely dominated PSG. Start to finish, it was kind man of that, to man. That last sticker in the in the scrapbook that Pep yeah. needs at City, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, obviously, yeah. They've still got one more game to go, and I think a few pundits were getting a bit ahead of themselves after the game, saying like they've reached the the glory land and stuff, and probably steady on a little bit. Yeah, they need to win it first. Yeah, See how true. they were playing the final, but they did, they deserve to be there. As much as it pains me to say, and I'd, they are the favourites, so. Yeah, I mean, I obviously posted about it this week, the the little match report where you post. Yeah, if you want to follow us, it's at Divided Opinion on Instagram. Post daily content. If there's been a big game, we'll do a little match review. Anything that happens, managerial changes, transfers, literally anything mm-hmm. in football, we'll, we try to keep you guys updated. Um, but yeah, I was... that From my opinion, that was the best... I've ever seen City play. Just in terms of, they had a plan, they went out, they delivered on the biggest stage as well. Yeah, Against the PSG side, which carried a lot of threat. They missed Mbappe. There were a few chances in that first half that PSG had. You had a few counter-attacks. If Mbappe had been on the pitch, you do do wonder what the outcome would have been. It was a shame, to be honest, not to see Mbappe. Not even at least for 10, 20 minutes at the end of the game. Obviously, he wasn't ready, was he? Shouldn't have really took him. Yeah, it was weird. Because <laughs> they, they they could have thrown him on. It's not like they were, they were going through and they could have afforded not to bring him on. They needed him, obviously. What's the point in um, bringing him if yeah, not going to throw him on? Very true. I Maybe mean, a scare tactic. City players just all over the field, they were just... Yeah. Every player paid a ten out of ten. Yeah, I think this. I think that's the the main difference between City's team that blew away everyone in the Premier League two, three years ago, which everyone then were like, "Wow, this this team is probably like the best team we've ever seen in the Premier League." Well, it wasn't. It was a very good one, but I don't think it was the best. But the City team now it's just so much more well rounded, and it seems like they've developed a new sort of a new style of winning games. Is where they actually. They sit back a lot sometimes now, and they play in the sort of defensive manner, and they sort of they sort of play a bit like United in some games, where they sort of sit around, suck people in, and then just counter attack on them. It used to all be attacking, free flowing, keep the ball possession football, but they've got like a sort of like a, a a real backbone and sort of like a grit, so they grind out wins by just 
you see like Ruben Diaz, he must have blocked about eight shots, three of them with his face square in the face. To win a Premier League and the Champions League, I think take completely different kind of traits. Yeah. The Premier League, we've seen that City can do it over a season, consistency with injuries, um, taking into account yeah. injuries. We know they can do that. But you can also be helped out as well in the league over a sit period by other teams underperforming. But in the Champions League, it's always the elite playing the elite. That's what I'm saying. On the on the night, and that's what they've lacked, City. Yeah. It's in those big occasions. But I think those players now are really... I think they're... It was just a huge night for the likes of Ruben Diaz, the De Bruyne. So no, I don't think De Bruyne was the best he's, I've seen him. No. But... Mares though. Mares, wow. wow. Could we say he's, he's definitely one of the best players in the world, isn't he? At the moment. Well, yeah. 100% at the moment, but... Yeah, absolutely. So what a player. Unbelievable. What I a mean, player. I hate to say it, but I did I did say last <laughs> Here week we go. on the podcast... Yeah, to slide it in. And, and <laughs> I, I also did mention Zinchenko as well. And he yeah. looks unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He played really well, actually. Yeah, yeah. I really like Zinchenko. I just love the tenacity. And that is one thing I've got noted down here, that City had played with a tenacity that I don't think we've seen. No. That, the, like you just said, the grit, the determination. I mean, Ruben Diaz was a man possessed. He was just chucking himself yeah. in front of the ball. And that's probably one thing you could we, we all could have been said about City in, over the years is in them big games where the where it's come down to it and like the, the the heat's on them this is they've not had them players that will throw themselves in front of a ball or or help out their mates chasing back they've they've always sort of it's always a little bit like Spurs in some games haven't they where they've got to the final hurdle and they've just they've sort of frozen but that now they just every game every game they just seem to you just don't ever see them you never, you're never confident that another team can do a lot of damage to them. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they always look so assured. They never really look like like PSG. They had like the few odd counter attacks, but I ne- they never really looked like scoring, did they? I think in this context, the Spurs were PSG. <laughs> there were a lot of parallels between yeah, yeah. That City Spurs have, yeah. when they when Leicester won the league. You remember that night against Chelsea, where Hazard scored that goal to win us the league? Yeah. And, and literally Spurs just capitulated, imploded, PSG. just started flying around. I mean, PSG, it reminded me of, I don't think you ever played in it, but five aside, a few years ago, we um, it was at the Colville one, I don't think you played, but there was this team, we were quite, we were younger than, than them at the time. We played them off the park. I think it was like the first game we'd ever won. And this team were just literally like, just sl- just horrendous challenges. Like just going for us, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, don't know if anyone remembers that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's the fans. Bit, bit, bit of a niche reference there from me. Um, Colville, two thousand and sixteen, <laughs> power play. <laughs> no, yeah, to be fair, it's it's sort of funny every time we have to talk about PSG because they're they're just a bit of an embarrassment, aren't they? Like all these, well, superstars. I'd call them. Sort of like they're like pampered, sort of egotistical superstars that they they it hap- it's happened so many times. City now have done it when they when you saw them play against United. Well, every year it happens, they just capitulate and sort of they're like what they're doing, like trying to kick everyone after that. 
De Maria. What, oh, what was all that De about? Maria red car was horrendous. What does he didn't think? Get spoke about enough. What does he think was going to happen there? Even if the ref didn't see it, VAR just going to have a look at that. But it was just horrible. Yeah, just a horrible thing no... to do. Just yeah. go stamp. I mean, it was it was prime Fernandinho. I mean, De Maria did nothing wrong originally, and he's there just trying to get wind him up. And to be fair, got the reaction he wanted. But what De Maria? It's just when uh, a player though, when they show that kind of s- wanting to just injure someone. Just inflicts damage. I just, he just, just doesn't. I just don't like it. I just don't like seeing that in the game. Don't like Dimaria in the first place. Yeah, I know you don't, but we'll, we don't want to open a. Can Always of bringing words, misery so. to Manchester, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not gonna say anymore. <laughs> it's kind of we were speaking about Spurs. Obviously, Pochettino was in charge of Spurs that day when they capitulated. Yeah. Is this a Pochettino problem? Is it a problem with his players? Because one of the commentators, commentators were saying that. This is so, that the reaction of the PSG players was so far away of Pochettino's characteristics, yeah, and yeah. what he prides himself on, yeah. and what he'd like to pride his team on being on. Well, it was just no, but like you said, it was similar to that Battle of the Bridge. Is Tottenham it? players just imploded then, and so you think it, no, I don't, I don't think it's anything to do with um, Pochettino. I don't think he's that sort. He, he's, he, I don't think he's that guy that send his team out to kick people and hurt people and. But I think you, I think you just saw even on the sidelines from the look on his face, he was just sort of disappointed in the bit. So he was let down by his players because for one, they had the first eighty-five minutes, they didn't do anything worthy of getting through. And then when five ten minutes to go, they feel like the right thing to do would just be to try and kick and take chunks out of all the city players. It was just petulance, wasn't it? It happens with a player like Paredes, and just they're just. They're not even worth talking about, honestly. And then the funniest thing for me is now they've Pochettino's urged urged UEFA to investigate the referee for um, telling um, Paradez to to f off. To, to, say. to f off, yeah. But what 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 is all that about? Like it's just the amount of the amount of like amount of stuff that referees get from players week in week out screamed in their faces called this called that were they insulted like grabbed and pushed and as soon as they get a little bit of bit of stick back telling putting them in their place they're going to cry to UEFA trying to get it investigated this is one of the best referees in the world as well there's a good chance he could uh, referee the final that's a conversation for another day in terms of it, something needs to change with the way footballers talk to the referees i don't know how the game has been allowed to get to where it has no. i'm all for a bit of debate and i'm not expecting everyone to agree with what referees no. do but you don't see it in any other sport no you and in life in general imagine speaking to someone yeah. the way footballers speak to referees it's shocking and the role i know there's people play down this role model thing and say oh the players didn't choose it etc yeah. but it's huge from a young, from a young part, like from when I was younger, anything players did, we I wanted yeah, to do. We I wanted to copy on the pitch. Me and you both in the garden, really, when we were playing yeah. football, dressing up with wearing the same kits. Whether it was dodgy ankle tape, yeah, or bloody long sleeve shirts, <laughs> a bit of horrible gel in my hair, yeah. thinking I was Cristiano Ronaldo in the <laughs> garden, spiking it up. <laughs> yeah, that it, yeah. As much as they say that, and like you can understand to a viewpoint, yeah, to a certain point, like yeah, players aren't. That is their job, and they're not. They didn't sign up to be a role model, but they are. Like at the end of the day, no matter what, you're in the public eye, and 
there's kids around the world that absolutely idolise them. And then when and when you know, see you see kids as well, just going back onto the PSG players, kids, fat millions of kids have been watching that, and that that plays the way they're reacting there, just the petulance. And, you, and then you see that on a Sunday, you see players thinking that's cool. Well, I could kick out someone or shout at the referee, and that's where the problem stems because it it will go down right to the bottom of grassroots football. This this sort of petulance and like disrespect from the players. You see it at Sunday league level at our age and stuff. Like some of the like abuse that referees take, it's, it's absolutely like people getting like attacked now as well. Like, it's just shocking. It it's just it's one part of the game that I, from, yeah, I hate. When we talk about all the um, the the wrongdoings of these people that run the sport, but it's one thing that I think as fans, as players, whether you're on a grassroots level or you're playing in the Premier League, we need to change in our sport. Yeah. And yeah, referees won't get. But at the end of the day, referees like we all complain that VAR. We complain about everything, but you can have a, you can complain, and you they have got to expect. You, you have to expect them to get these decisions right. But they it's are just human beings. At the end of the day, footballers are human beings. Footballers make mistakes when le- defenders will make mistakes leading to a goal, or player will miss an open goal. But as soon as a referee makes a mistake, all hell breaks loose, and these players, they're just, yeah, they've just. They've got no respect, honestly. Yeah, we just go back to what City did well. Obviously, I mean, struggling for superlatives to describe Phil Foden, but yeah, just incredible, really. Mm, yeah, that's that performance was just scary. As yeah, well. yeah, twenty years old as well scary. on the biggest stage in world football. He has to start the Euros for me. Yeah, you can't. What, I don't see how you can argue against it. But then again, you know, you've also got. But like Mason Mount last night, what a player. Well, I think they both start. Yeah, they both could start, but Southgate won't. No. <laughs> Get the three holding midfielders in first, yeah. and the wing-backs and the three centre-halves. <laughs> about Neymar? Mm. Seeing a lot of debate around him. I mean, he he's a player that draws debate anyway. Kind of where he fits into this discussion of the Ronaldos and Messis. I mean, he's definitely not in that discussion. No. But, yeah, he was walking around against them against City I hate to see it yeah I hate to see it a player if he just he doesn't make runs he gets the ball he just stands there he was just standing slows there everything down that's the one thing I've always always hated about him is just you could, you could they could be on a counter attack full blistering the counter attack you'd have him, but as soon as he gets the ball he stops and sort of does a few shimmies little rolls his foot over the top of the ball I don't the ego's just taking him over, hasn't yeah, it? And it's got in the way of what he does and what his job is. Yeah, like Neymar at Barcelona, he used to used to run at players and create runs, get him behind and score goals. And now he just it's and it's always it's disappointing because it always is a big game, isn't it? Like you never really see Neymar do it in the big games when he's playing against English sides, United, Liverpool, and the Champions League. He's never really done it, has he? And I think that's what always separate him at the end of his career. When it comes to talking about who the best were, like but ability-wise, he's well up there, like top two, three. But his productiveness and like the effectiveness, he's not not up there for me, not at all. He'll be remembered for his time at Barcelona, won't he? And I think his time at PSG, unless he manages to win a Champions League, will be seen as a failure. Yeah. And they missed. Let's be honest. I think if PSG fans were gonna uh, were asked 
would you prefer Neymar and Mbappe or Mbappe to be injured? They would have said Neymar. Yeah. I would have preferred to see Mbappe out there. So would I, yeah, yeah. I think that, yeah, Mbappe's already a better player at his age anyway, I think. I think as well, with, with you see Foden, him and Neymar, it's hard to judge talent levels, but they're both ridiculously talented. And you just see the difference between a footballer that's still got that fight in him and that passion mm. versus someone that's clearly just... He's clearly just let everything get to his head, Neymar. Yeah. And I, I, can't, I can't, can't blame him. He's a world superstar. I can't predict what that would do to someone's psyche, but he's just diluted and mm. doesn't care, really, does he? No, he's just... Well, he, he said before the game that he'd die on the pitch to go through that, in that game. But actions are to speak louder than words, don't they? And he didn't, he didn't put a shift in. Yeah. Should we move on to uh, Chelsea? Beating Real Madrid 2-0 at home. 3-1 on aggregate. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to start? Well, you've got to say congratulations, Chelsea fans out there. But um, yeah, another another tie where the English side fully deserved to win. Just absolutely more so than the PSG game. They, they just they dominated Real Madrid last night, didn't they? From start to finish, man to man, they were just brilliant. They were outworked, weren't they, Real Madrid? Yeah, it, it even looked to me from the first five, ten minutes that obviously, Stam- obviously Chelsea played better, but if you look at Stamford Bridge and you even look on the telly, like it's a lot, the pitch was a lot smaller compared to the first day. And Chelsea were just so on top of the... and closing down all the spaces for anyone to work in. I think Real Madrid just took them by surprise. I don't think they weren't used to it at all. The first leg, you saw a bit more space for sort of Cruz and Modric to work it, but if, I think over the over the course of both legs, Chelsea just absolutely yeah dominated them. I think ahead of the curve on Twitter's probably gone a bit quiet. Yeah, <laughs> I think he preaches how yeah. amazing that midfield three is, and I'm not disputing how good they were. I think yesterday you saw the legs maybe aren't there anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem with Madrid. dynamism. They're so good against certain setups, but they're never. None of them are going to run by you. Maybe Modric, you drop a shoulder and get by. He's still got it, but they need a bit more. I think you saw it a little bit more when Valverde came onto the pitch. They sort of they put him out on sort of the right wing back, but he sort of added a bit more energy and like up and down a bit of athleticness. But you just you see them looking around at each other on the yeah that midfield three of Casemiro, Modric, and Cruz and. It's almost you're just waiting for one of them to make one of them run, runs that yeah. we've come to know a Mason Mount as. Frank Lampard was so good at it. Making those runs from the midfield, linking up the midfield and the attack, almost playing as a second striker at certain points, certain when you're in attacking play, in an attacking sense, I should say. That, yeah. It just, yeah I think it's it credit to Chelsea, though. Chelsea just didn't let them... Didn't let didn't give them anything, did they? No time on the ball, no, no time off the ball. They were just in their faces straight away. They were f- more physical than them. They bullied them, and um, yeah, it was just disappointing from Real Madrid. If anything, I thought even sort of twenty minutes ago, I'm thinking yeah, there's going to be one player here that's going to give them an injection, like a moment of magic. You'd think a Benzema and maybe a Hazard, but let's get into Hazard in a sec. <laughs> Yeah, that Kante, Jorginho and Mount midfield, unbelievably well-balanced. You've got the Kante provides the combativity, um, just the work rate, 
he's the energy is mm. just everywhere and he was involved in both goals as well and that's a part of the game that he doesn't get credit for Jorginho he's a cool head in certain I think he's a hot head in certain yeah, things, yeah. but on the ball he's always composed and then obviously Mason Mount again he's like he's similar with Foden I mean I'm tired of singing his praises yeah yeah he's he's, he's, he's brilliant isn't he He's just Mason unbelievable, mate. Links yeah. to everything. He's, like, he's, he's already the spearhead for Chelsea's, that, that whole Chelsea team. He's, you could probably, well, I don't know, I don't know any of the Chelsea players personally, but you can imagine that he's a massive figure in the change room as well. Just, I uh, think he's 22, 23, but he's definitely. He's a future captain, isn't he? Yeah, he's captained them before, I think. This, wait, was he, was he captain under Lampard? No. For I... a few games. I'm sure he was. I'm pretty sure Aspilicueta's been the captain. Yeah, but Aspilicueta wasn't playing under Lampard, was he? And I think Lampard for the last, I think for the last seven or eight games he made him. Thiago Silva. No. I'm sure he's captained a bit. I'm I'm sure Mount has. Yeah. Maybe Chelsea fans out there, let us know. <laughs> so the Chelsea, the way Chelsea set up as well was quite negative. If you look on paper, you got the three at the back, and then Aspilicueta right wing back is hardly an attacking right wing back. I mean, Chilwell obviously is at left wing back, but he's still probably, you'd say, a left back. I've, what I took from that game is that Chelsea, if they'd wanted to, they could have set up far more positive. Yeah, yeah. And they could have got that finished off in the first half. Well, they had, they could have won, they could have scored about eight or nine goals, this, couldn't they? This is what I was about to say. Real Madrid <laughs> should be happy that they didn't get embarrassed. Yeah, that could have easily have been six or seven nil last night. I wonder what the attitude is towards Zidane as well. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the media in, in Spain say. I saw a lot of a lot of media already this morning in the papers, just ripping into Hazard for the laugh, laughing and joking with the Chelsea players after the game. When I was watching that, I was just thinking, how, what is it? Yeah, how why? Why? Just do it in the t- yeah. yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, now this is not Real. Does he does he not realise how much, how big Real Madrid are? The fan base they've got, the amount of people watching that, and he's representing them. He's just putting a bloody two out of ten performance, and and he's just laughing and joking in the Champions League semi final. Again, though, it's just sad, isn't it? We talk about Neymar losing the fight, and I mean, in reality, for Hazard, this should this is what he would have dreamt of as a kid. He's got that big move to Real Madrid. Mm, coming back to his no ha- one in his way. He could have been the the he was the marquee signing. And he just doesn't. He doesn't care. He's just lost the semi final of the Champions League. He was shocking. Yeah. He should be in the training ground, looking at his legs and thinking, "Why aren't you doing what you used to?" Because it's it's just. (laughs) 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 But looking at his legs. (laughs) But you know what I mean, don't you? He should have been looking in the mirror, like, "Why? What? Who am I? What has happened to me? Am I Forgan in the in disguise?" Bit of a disrespect to Forgan Hazard. Yeah. Just came to mind. Yeah. Yeah, just it's 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 a, it's a shame to see. It is. Cause a couple of years ago, everyone I think Sarri called him the best player in the world when he was at Chelsea. And he was. He top, was I mean, I mean, he was. Oh, he was up there. He was one of the best players in the world a couple of years ago. And now he's sort of a player that, when I saw his name on the starting lineup last night, I was like, what? Hazard's playing. That he's missed that many games for Real Madrid. He, every time you see him, like. Hazard, he's like, is he actually playing a game for Real Madrid? Obviously, you don't want to go too personal on him, but it's just, it looks like it's an attitude thing. Like he's on the pitch there. He's, last night, he's looking heavy. 
He's looking chunky and he's looking just sort of hob that, just sort of walking around, giving the odd little pass and go. But he's we used to Chelsea, we used to see him out on that left wing, picking up the ball, running at players for 90 minutes, full on, full on, chasing the ball around, going to get it, picking up from deep and making dark. dark. It's just that far, isn't it? It's gone. It's yeah. just gone. Or his legs have gone. Never know. I hate to bring up another thing that I posted about and spoke about actually in the podcast last week, but Havertz as a striker, I know he didn't score last night. We knew he did. Yeah, hit the bar. Yeah, he's looking really good now, Havertz. Really capable striker. Yeah. And I actually thought Werner played. Obviously, it was his dinked effort that led to Werner's goal. Yeah, but I think fair play to Werner. I think Werner was was probably one of Chelsea's, I don't know probably why he got took off after an hour, but I thought he was one of Chelsea's most promising players last night. Created I love, a lot. I love that attacking two of Werner and Havertz. Yeah, I think that could. Well, that yeah. Mount, Havertz and Werner, that no, is just yeah, unbelievable. You, you're starting to see it a bit more now, but that could blow up next season. I think, you know, especially as like a United fan, look at, you look at like Man City and think, are we going to keep up with them next year? Got to look at trying to keep up with Chelsea first as well, I think. Chelsea are going to be a serious force. Yeah. They are. They are. Like, we say it every season, but I do think next season, fans back in the stadium... Obviously, City are going to be strong. United, I'd be if I would be worried if I was a United fan. Just I'm, I'm not particularly worried. I wouldn't in terms of the Just long term. Of... In in the long term, I wouldn't be worried. But I do think the the events around the club and the uncertainty could cost you in this transfer window. If there's other things going on, if there's let's be honest, even if they sell up this summer. We've ha- how long have we got now to the transfer window? It can't be long, and it's that a deal like that. It's going to take months, and I do think it could cost United. Mm. I really do. I, I worry. I do worry for your transfer window. This. Yeah. Oh, well, it could happen. But I suppose we all said that last summer, didn't we? About United. But after the transfer window, they had, and obviously Cavani's turned out to be like so much better than we all thought. But he's, that's where you've got to give Solskjaer credit. You've. They all did think. No one thought United would be where they are this season. Mendy looked outstanding in goal. Two, yeah, two good, really saves good. Yeah, for Benzema had a couple chances that. Mm. Yeah, that's match-winning saves they were. And I really thought it was a, a game where Real Madrid just started to look of age, and those players that have been around for so long. Do you think it's now we're starting to see the? Yeah, I think we are. Yeah, this is the end of that. That yeah, that um, the that amazing really team really. though. We can't take away anything from them. But yeah, it, 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 that, I think you'll probably. Well, I'm not sure because finance, depending on finances and how much money they actually do have. But yeah, I think you'll probably start to see sort of a slow rebuild, so similar to what Barcelona are going through. And it's going to be, it'll be a shock for us, especially people of our age. We've grown up, haven't we? And, where in most of our life it's been Real Madrid and Barcelona have dominated European football and now we're starting to see the English teams come back in and dominate we could have an all English final in the Europa League and Champions League yeah but I think Arsenal might ruin that <laughs> good old Arsenal yeah. <laughs> but it really is I hate I just hate it that we keep coming back to the European Super League but you can see why these Spanish clubs, the other big leagues in the in Europe are so keen on their Super League. I went to like an open day a few years ago at UCFB. Mm-hmm. Years ago. I didn't end up going. 
Um, but I remember the guy saying, he was like, these leagues, are, they are scared because the Premier League is be- becoming like the NFL and like the NBA, like the MLB, where it's one league. All the world's talent plays in that one league. And it's costly for the other leagues. Yeah. For the other countries, the d- yeah, the finance is just dwindling. And honestly, these clubs are scared. Yeah. Real Madrid, PSG, Barcelona. It will happen. I honestly believe that the Premier League will carry on how it is. But the European Super League or the Super League, whether it's an international thing, will happen. And it will have them clubs in them. Because they can't carry on like this. Because they, they're just watching the money these sides, the Uniteds and City, maybe not City, but the English clubs, City in a few years will, but the the money these English clubs are making is on a different scale to, the, yeah. to these other leagues. Yeah, you could see the Premier League run away with things, couldn't you? Yeah, it is happening. And I think that is what will push these clubs to this league, whatever it's called. So let's just finish off this week's episode uh, with bit of discussion of what's gone on around the world of football so obviously we saw Mourinho he can't stay away from the game can he <laughs> I thought he was meant to be going and working at Talksport yeah. with Alan Brazil but obviously he didn't fancy it probably yeah. had one day with um, what's his name Jim White no uh, Simon Jordan Simon Jordan one day yeah. with Simon Jordan he couldn't stand it any longer I think it was uh, Max Rushton I think he was on the show the other day saying that he had to hold the door for him, but he just remembered two weeks before he was absolutely slating Mourinho. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably Mourinho just nodded at him, didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> but Roma, they're currently sat in seventh. They're 27 points off the top. Mm-hmm. I think they've had a, quite a decent Europa League campaign. Obviously, Roma want to be in the Champions League, so it's pretty irrelevant. Yeah. Can you see, uh, they've already been linked with Eric Lamella and Lucas Moura, uh, which we often do see when a manager leaves the teams join another their, their squad looking at their squad it really it is pretty weak in comparison with the likes of Inter Milan obviously have been unbelievable this season Juve they may not have had the season they've wanted but they've still you can't deny the depth of their squad and the talent they've got and even the side like Atalanta mm. they're currently sat in second at the moment Atalanta ahead of Juve yeah and that's without their, their they lost their main player in January, Papio Gomez. Yeah, seems to be a hotbed of talent. Yeah, in a minute. Just yeah, it just looks like a great, great club to be in. Like it's just the way they ran. They just and they, yeah, they just keep producing. If you've got Castagna, your your yeah. your man, and I think they've just. He's, they he's, must I have a good academy. Ilicic. I love Ilicic. I think Ilicic, he's a yeah. Player. Um, we've been linked. Leicester have been linked to that Gosens. Gosens, yeah, um, another good young player. He looks good. They've um, got they've got Zapata. Zapata, they've got yeah, they've got um they've got a good side. They actually they really haven't. They it's sort of like a maybe last season people thought they'd do it because they they did really well in the Champions League and they're obviously amazing for them to get to the Champions League, but I think everyone thought they maybe might die off of this season, especially losing Gomez as well. He's their their key key man. But um no, they've gone one one strength to another. It's going back to Roma though. What kind of job do you think Mourinho can do? Do you think the change of scenery is what he needs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- yeah, he, I think we all knew he'd come to the sort of the end of the road in the Premier League. There was not really many, there was no options out there for him, was there? But um, yeah, I think I think it could suit him really well. Actually, this stage of his career, sort of, he needs a job with a bit less pressure. 
bit bit less um, bit less eyes on him. But then again, Roma are a massive That's club. I was going to say, apparently Italian fans are just different. Yeah, but I think they will love him there. The Roma fans is the exact sort of person that they want. Bit of character. Your character, and he's <laughs> and he he's football through and through, isn't he, Mourinho? He's, there's no getting around it. He's he is football, but um, yeah, I think it'll be a good. I don't know how how far he can realistically take that side, given their finances and the squad they've got. I'm not sure uh, Mkhitaryan will be too yeah. happy. <laughs> yeah, and Smalling as well has left the group chat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Smalling. I was sad to see his performance against United in the first leg. He didn't look great at all. Our, no. our boy's been someone that's sung the praises of Smalling. Yeah, I, I always, I always rated him. To be fair, you know, I, I think he was the best out of a bad bunch in that defense. But um, yeah, I thought he, yeah, he looks poor. I think poor. there is almost it's hard to judge a player because it will be it's massive for him and. He lived out his dreams at United. I know he didn't. He might not have been the centre back you really wanted, but he still won the won the mm. league. He won won the Player of the Year one year under Van Hal. Did he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Good servant for United. Um, couple transfer rumours. Salah apparently wants to leave Liverpool and PSG, planning to make a bid for the 28 year old. If striker Kylian Mbappe leaves in the summer, it sounds like a bit of a clickbait, but. Could you see Salah leaving Liverpool? Um, yeah, yeah, I suppose you could do. I don't know, I think how long has he got left in his contract? Two years, I think. Yeah, I can definitely see at least one of that front three leaving this summer. Um, not sure who it will be, but yeah, maybe he's just thought he's sort of won everything he can at Liverpool, and maybe maybe he wants a new challenge. I do. He is a hu- he is a legend at Liverpool, though. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I do. I think the fans. I've got more of a connection. Obviously, I'm not a Liverpool fan, so correct me if I'm wrong, but seems that the fans have got more of a connection with him than they have with, say, the Mane. Firmino yeah. or Mane. I've, if I were Liverpool, it would be Mane that I'd be trying to usher out the door yeah. and get a bit of money for, because Mane's not hit hit the heights this season. No, it almost looks as if he's sort of burnt out a little bit. Yeah, whether teams have just kind of worked out their attack. Yeah, or maybe it's just a confidence thing. Maybe next season when they've got a fully fit squad, they might be the all blistering Liverpool that we knew before, but I feel like the problems are lie a bit, bit deeper than just the players on the pitch. It is always that that thing as well with the argument that Liverpool, although they've obviously had their injury issues, awful injury issues at the back, and just kind of exposed how ill prepared they were for this season. Not that anyone really could have prepared for this season, but their attack has been reasonably. I'm not going to say injury-free, but I've seen Salamane yeah. and Firmino have been fit for a majority of the season. And they, we've seen before that they can play a lot of football. So, And they used to have that air of about them that they'd, they'd just always score and they'll find a way. And it was just inevitable. You couldn't really stop it. But yeah. you are just seeing teams stop it now. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Every time you used to watch Liverpool last year, the year before, you just you'd sort of feel every time they got the ball back, there's a good chance that they're going to score again, and that was just that normally that wave after wave. It was just so intense playing against the Liverpool team. They would throw everything at you for ninety minutes, but I don't know who knows. I mean, I suppose that's a talk about a different day, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's them sort of problems can be down to anything. I think we might leave it there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, got anything more you want to say? No, no. Um, just yeah, just. Thanks, thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for the support on the page still, and yeah, just yeah, 
We, 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 we do really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, we'll try and carry on offering whatever it is we're offering. Yeah, and oh, we are on Twitter as well. Yeah. At DividedOpinion underscore. But yeah, let us know anything you want us to talk about next week. Um, like Wes has said, we appreciate the support. And yeah, we'll see you next week.